Welcome to an Impact Ministries production brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to week four in the Mysteries of the New Covenant. Today, we're going to be talking about the shadow and the reality. Now, I'm just telling you, this is at the heart of knowing how to relate to God. It, it, it amazes me how many people I have talked to over the last nearly 50 years of ministering to people who just have no idea what to expect from God. Don't know what to pray about. Is this his will? Is it not his will? Well, I want to tell you something. Jesus left us a last will and testament. And that word testament can be translated as like a will and testament or as covenant. And in this covenant or in this last will and testament, we are told exactly what we can always expect from God. In other words, when you're using your faith, you know what you can use your faith for and expect the outcome that God promises. I'm telling you, it's just so simple, so amazing. And it's just like Jesus said when he was teaching here on earth. He said, listen, if you'll learn of me, in other words, if you will come to believe about God, what I'm teaching you about God, and if you will watch and observe how I walk with God and how I operate in faith, you'll learn of me and take my yoke upon you and the yoke is that very doctrine that he talks about God. He said, if you do this, your life is going to be easy and light. Man, I'm I'm all about that. So listen, get ready to take some great notes, get ready to dive in because I got some great things I want to share with you. Let me mention this before we jump in, by the way, so I won't have to interrupt right in the middle of this. I want to remind you that we got World Changer Weekend coming up on the third weekend in July, man, we are going to have a party. We're going to have the hottest worship band that you've probably ever heard. If you, you know, if you love cool music and great worship and connecting with God in your heart, we're going to have great messages, great ministry, and testimonies from people all over the world whose lives are being transformed through our world changers faith and giving and this sort of thing so anyhow if you want to be in a great in a great party that just it just seems like it's more fun than should be legal well i got i got news for you that's the kind of party god wants you to have so be sure and check it out on our website and uh, register love to see you there today we're talking about the shadow and the reality now remember again we're still talking about the covenant now we can only understand the covenant and feel safe and feel secure to the degree that we're able to grasp what God was attempting to communicate in times past. And that's really, really important. There is a, this concept that today under the new covenant that we have no use for the Old Testament. There are major ministries today abandoning the Old Testament. There are major ministries today condemning the Old Testament as if there's something wrong with it. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, who made you God and who made your word greater than God? Because the Old Testament is where we get every single prophecy, everything about what Jesus would do when he came to establish this new covenant that we have with God. And also what would happen when he comes the second time. Everything that we needed to know about Jesus is there in the Old Testament. Now, let me just say this again. There is a difference between the Old Testament and the Old Covenant. 
The Old Testament is God's testimony of himself. It helps us know who God is, what we can expect from God. The covenant is the terms of the agreement between God and man, and it provided man with a way to know this is how you can have the best life possible until the Messiah comes. And then when the Messiah comes, there will be a new covenant that is established that will that will transform you. It won't be a shadow. It won't be a type. It won't be an example. It will be the real transforming power of God. And so that's, that's where we are today. But sadly, so many people are failing to participate in this covenant. Uh, and, you know, the cornerstone verse I always use about this is Psalm 7, 8, verse 37, where it says, you know, the one reason the children of Israel could never enter into Canaan land and never experience all the provisions that God has for us, because number one, their heart really was not established in who God was. And number two, because they didn't know who God was, they really couldn't be faithful in the covenant that, that God gave. In other words, you know, faithful doesn't just mean faithful to obey. It means able to trust it, able to, able to have a trustworthy, good faith relationship with God. Well, that's the exact reason that today believers are wandering in the wilderness and not enjoying the promises of the kingdom of God. Now, before, before we do anything else, I want to say we need to first understand the word covenant. What does it really mean? As a matter of fact, one of the things that we're going to jump in today as much as time allows is we're going to be talking about why the Apostle Paul was able to get such incredible revelation knowledge about the Messiah. How did he understand about our new identity in Christ? How did he understand about the new birth? How did he understand these things? Where did he get it? Well, I'm going to show you how he got it. I'm going to show you how you can develop real revelation knowledge without getting goofy and mystical and weird and jumping straight away from the pages of the Bible, how you stay on track with God and really know what's going on. And this is why it's important, like I said earlier, this is why it's important that we need to understand what God has said in the past so that we can bring that forward, recognize who Jesus is, and then allow Jesus to become the one who reveals God to us now. Now, I want to start just by looking at the Hebrew word for covenant. You know, in the Hebrew, every Hebrew word gets down to a root word that usually has three letters. And so when you're when you're translating or interpreting in the Hebrew, you you know, you see, okay, this is what this word means in general and in context. But then you start looking at other factors. You start looking at uh, each one of the letters, and there's all kinds of ways in the Hebrew language where you get unique ways to understand words that you don't get in other languages. You know, where the letters are positioned in the alphabet has a lot to do with it. The entire Hebrew alphabet is a story about how to how to start out on a journey to harmonize with God and end with the absolute truth working in your life. And so, so the sequence of those letters, all of those factors tell us things about how to understand a word. But interestingly, every letter in the Hebrew word alphabet has its own definition. So in order to truly understand a word, I've got to understand the definition of every letter. I've got to understand the context, and, and I've got to look at the, the big picture. And, and there are other context factors, more than I can go in you know, right now. As a matter of fact, if you want to discover more about how 
to really uh, understand the Hebrew language in a way that's just practical, easy to learn, you might want to check out our course that we Impact International School of Ministry. And I'll talk to you more about that another time. But so these three Hebrew letters that make up the root word for covenant uh, come from the bet and the resh and um, uh, then the hay. Now there are some people that say, oh no, the last letter is not the hay, the last letter is the tet. Now, it really doesn't matter, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna show you what both of those look like. But the truth is, doesn't matter which letter letter you use last. It really doesn't change the meaning of it. You know the word bet or the letter bet, which is the the second in the alphabet, uh, is what we would call the B in our in our alphabet. The the letter bet represents the heart or a house. Now, that's really important because you live in a house. And the truth is, you live out of your heart. Whatever the beliefs of your heart may be, good or bad, right or wrong, that's really how you're going to manage your life. That's how you're going to approach life. That's, how, that's really how you're going to try to make uh, life work and make, even make life understandable. So in the Old Testament, you know, interestingly in the Old Testament, many times, even when you see the word house, you can say, okay, well, what would that mean if I was to look at that word from the perspective of heart? And you can get incredible insights. So, but the first letter in the word covenant is bet. So it's a house. It's a place filled with the presence of God, filled with love. And uh, also, by the way, it's the number two representing interaction between two individuals. And that's really important because God's a heart God. Nothing that happens between you and God is real or genuine or authentic or has the power to transform your life if it's not happening from your heart. Now, the second letter in this Hebrew word for covenant is the letter resh. Now, the letter resh looks like a cane. And, uh, and, and that cane, the shape of that letter indicates a bending in a particular direction. And it is where we get the concept of repentance. Now, sadly, in, in our world today, by the way, since I'm doing this in my studio, every now and then I have to reach up here and touch something or adjust something. I hope that doesn't distract you too much. But in our world today, you, religion has twisted repentance to be something, you're, so there's groveling and begging and pleading and shame that you go through because you got into sin. Well. Uh, you know what, you may have all those experiences, but that has, that's not repentance. Repentance has nothing to do with whether you're in sin or not, as we understand sin. Repentance has to do with whether or not you are flexible and whether or not you're willing to follow and lean toward and bend toward uh, the Lordship of Jesus, whether or not you're going to be taught by the Holy Spirit, whether or not your God is going to be uh, uh, you know, your life source and your teacher and your father and all, all these things to you. So, uh, uh, interesting too, by the way, the resh is the 20th Hebrew letter and it gets into, again, uh, a new beginning. It gets into being a leader. And so all new beginnings start with repentance. Start with, I am teachable. I, you know, wherever I am, it, it, I'm not saying I've done something bad. You know, when I'm not experiencing life at its best, technically, that fits into the definition of sin. Not that you're doing something wrong. Because anytime we are not experiencing the glory of God, then we are, according to the Greek word for sin, 
than we're in sin. But sadly, boy, you start talking about that, most people, their head blows up and and, and they, they just can't get their, right, their mind around the fact that God's perfect will for us is to always be saved, healed, delivered, blessed, prospered, protected, made whole, set apart. All of these things that God provides for us through the Lord Jesus Christ, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, through uh, the truth uh, and the promises of, uh, of the Word of God. People just don't get that. But when my life is not as it should, when I'm not enjoying the promises of God that have been given to me through Jesus, now I can start making up some kind of goofy circumstance theology. And circumstance theology is where, you know what, something is not working, so I make up a theology to justify that circumstance. You don't have to justify it. God's not mad at you if it's not working. God's not going to beat you up. If it's not working, it simply means you do not know or believe the truth. And repentance says, you know what, I'm teachable. So if, if my life isn't working, maybe I need to let God teach me something. Maybe I just need to open my heart up to God. And then the last letter in this word for uh, covenant, uh, the last letter is either hey or tet. So it doesn't really matter which one. I'm going to tell you, which, you know, uh, what both of them mean. Hey represents God and man existing right in this very moment. And so, so the covenant always comes down to how, how, how is my life functioning at this moment? What's the quality of my life this very instant? And the hay represents the breath of God or the life of God being uh, breathed right into my circumstances right now to bring me right into the glory of the presence of God. What would the presence of God look like in this situation? Interesting thing too, by the way, with the letter hey, it represents the need to pay close attention to specifics, to listen for the still small voice of God so that you can access the creative power of God. Now this is, you know, when Jesus talked about wide as the gate leads to destruction, narrow as the gate leads to life, he wasn't talking about getting born again. He was talking about people who will enter the kingdom of God. Because, because to enter the kingdom of God would go through the narrow gate because the narrow gate represents that, that giving up all other possibilities other than what God's truth says. It represents surrendering to the Lordship of Jesus. The wide gate, that's that person that says, I'm a Christian, but but you know, I'm just going to live any way I want to, and and that's that's typified in the Old Testament by the by the children of Israel who died in the wilderness, even though they had been delivered from the world, even though they had been uh, uh, baptized, if you will, into Christ. But you know, not really, but but it was a type. They still didn't ever receive the promises. Now, if you use the letter Tet instead of the letter Hey for the last or the root word. Tet gets into the goodness, but basically it also gets into the concept of harmony with God, where we are inwardly aware of what's going on and whether or not we are in harmony with God and whether or not we are experiencing the goodness of God. So you notice it really doesn't take you very far from uh, the previous uh, root definition. But the key thing is this, the covenant is a heart issue. And so attempting to enforce the covenant through a legal process means that there's no trust. You know, for so many people, operating faith is me working a formula, in a sense, a legal formula that leverages God to do what he not only promised to do, but what he has promised that he's already done through the Lord Jesus Christ. So what that really means is it's not a good faith agreement. 
I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go to God and just say, God, okay, I trust you. So this is truth. I accept this is truth. Persuade my heart, you know, of, of how good and faithful and reliable God is. No, I'm gonna work a formula, and I'm gonna try to leverage God into doing something because I don't trust who He really is. Listen, the word faith is not about a power that makes something happen. Faith is simply trusting God. That's that, that's as simple as it. Do I trust what God has already? accomplished through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, because this covenant is all about the heart, that's why Jesus spoke in parables. Those who had a heart for kingdom living, those who had a heart for kingdom values, principles, they got it. They didn't have any trouble grasping what Jesus was talking about. Because see, these were the people that when they looked back at the law, they didn't look at the law as a righteousness. These were the people that says, this, this, this is an expression of the character and the nature of God. This is an expression of how God wants us to treat one another. He doesn't want us lying to each other. He doesn't want us taking advantage of each other. He wants us to be good and generous and helpful. He wants us to always bring justice and truth to every situation. And so they didn't have any trouble with kingdom principles because remember, almost all of Jesus' teaching was about kingdom living. It wasn't about how to get saved. But religion has minimized Jesus' teaching to just how to get born again. Therefore, once you get born again, it's sort of like, I don't need any of that anymore. I'm just going to go read the epistles. You know, the Old Testament's over and done. Uh, I got born again, so I don't need to listen to Jesus. Now I'm going to just go read the epistles. Well, I got news for you. If you stay very, if you stay out of the Gospels for very long, you will lose your ability to properly apply and understand the epistles or the Old Testament. You will turn, always turn into something corrupt because everything that God has to reveal about Himself, no matter where it comes from, ultimately you can only fully understand it. When you look at it through the life, the teaching, the ministry, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Now, the Apostle Paul was one of the greatest Hebrew minds alive at his time, according to some people. He was, but what was interesting was, you know, he was a, a, a really a legalist. He was just, man, he was fervent for God, because, but because he was pursuing God out of an understanding, an interpretation of scriptures that wasn't based on what Jesus taught, he became a legalist. And it doesn't matter if you sound real merciful, if your goal is to be more merciful, or if your goal is to be legalistic and hard. If you're not interpreting everything you believe about God through what Jesus taught, how he lived, how he treated people, and what he accomplished through his death, burial, and resurrection, you're a legalist. You say, no, no, I'm, I'm all about grace. I'm all about mercy and goodness. No, it, 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 you're still working formulas that reject what Jesus taught if you're not basing it on who he is, what he taught, what he did. So, interesting thing about the Apostle Paul, evidently, he was able to open his heart to God and allow the scriptures to speak to him, allow the Holy Spirit to open up these scriptures to him. And I'm gonna share real quickly about Paul's revelation, but let me just, let me just say this. In these programs that we put out here, I'm giving you everything I can give you for free to help you make this journey. But you know something you got to remember? We are reaching all over the world to raise up a billion disciples to the Lord Jesus Christ. So one of the things that we know is, first of all, it, disciples invest in themselves. So we provide 
audio teaching that goes way farther than we ever go in these uh, in these broadcast programs because I know not all of you want to go to that depth and that's all right but you can you can purchase this series which will be uh, eight um, audio messages that are going to go far beyond anything that we've gone into here that's going to take you into deeper aspects of application and understanding and here's the great thing number one as a disciple you are investing in yourself but secondly by purchasing that 85 percent of the money that comes in through purchases made with this ministry goes into reaching the world for the legion for the lord jesus christ and developing disciples all over the world so you know what you want to go deeper man you download this you download this series tonight and, and in minutes you're going to be diving in and going far beyond anything that probably you ever ever heard about the new covenant but i'm gonna give you as much as i can these series so here we go and we'll jump back in here so so god so, you know the holy spirit is our teacher and the holy spirit uh he what he magnifies and what he brings to us is what Jesus revealed to us. He doesn't bring something different to us. People that come up with doctrine that is in contradiction to what Jesus taught, lived, ministered, and accomplished through his death, burial, and resurrection, they're not listening to the Holy Spirit. They're just listening to their own mind. And so the Apostle Paul, man, he reverenced the Word of God. He reverenced the Scripture. And keep in mind, everything that, everything that Jesus taught, everything that Paul taught, everything that Peter taught, Everything that John taught, every word of the New Testament is based on what they called the Scripture, which is what we call the Old Testament. But they interpreted it based on the life, the teaching, the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I won't go into this here because it would be too boring for most of you, but every part of the temple, every feast, every sacrifice, everything that, everything that happened under the Old Covenant worship was a type it would show us something that would ultimately not only be fulfilled in the lord jesus but also would would be fulfilled in what happens in our heart interactions with him so i wanted to share with you how the apostle paul came to these incredible insights about the new covenant which will give you the pattern for how you can go deeper and deeper and deeper in these insights. Not insights that God is, you know, that are outside of the Bible, but insights into what the Bible is really talking about. You know, the Apostle Paul, as you remember, he had his Damascus conversion. And uh, and I'm just going to go through these really quick because I don't have but just a few more minutes. In Galatians 1, 11 through 24, he kind of describes his whole journey. And he says, look, you know, when I got born again, he said, I, I didn't receive my teaching about who Jesus was. I didn't receive this from man. Nobody taught this to me. It, he says, but it came through the revelation of Jesus. Now we think about, okay, so Jesus came and appeared to you in a cave somewhere. No, 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 no. He got the revelation of Jesus from the scriptures. So, so Paul shares his history you know, about persecuting the church. He kind of goes through all that. And, and really, you know, Paul is like so many of us. He recognized his whole life that he had a call. He said, you know, I was, he said, you know, God called me from the womb. I'm, you know, I came, I came into this world knowing I had a destiny. But the problem, like so many of us, uh, he set out on that destiny based on religion or his family or whoever uh, influenced him to think that he should do it. And that took him into some real bad places but in verse 16 he goes to say i didn't immediately 
um, confer with flesh and blood. I didn't even go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Now, based on the next verse, some people think, oh, he went to Arabia and hid out for three years. That's not what it says. He says he went to Arabia, then he went to Damascus where he actually spent three years. And it says, and of course, during this three-year period of time, what was Paul doing? I'll tell you what Paul was doing. Paul was reading and meditating on every scripture about the Messiah. He didn't, he didn't get an outside source. You know, the written word of God is what the Bible calls the revealed knowledge of God. And the way the Holy Spirit teaches us is not by throw your Bible away and just kind of sit here and, and wait for the Holy Spirit to tell you something. The way the Holy Spirit teaches us is he takes the revealed knowledge of God and brings it into how we can understand it in this new covenant. And a part of that is when we read the Gospels and we take everything that Jesus taught and go, okay, well, then wait a minute. Uh, I always thought that this meant this, but you know, that's not what Jesus said. So then what do I do? I, I line everything up with what Jesus said. You know, here's the amazing thing. For example, uh, you know, it, it, it was always clear in the scripture that the Messiah was going to come first and suffer and die. As a matter of fact, in the book of Daniel, there's a prophecy that revealed basically the exact year that Jesus would come and be born and reveal that he would be crucified. Now, if you didn't like that version of it, then you just kind of glossed that over. But Paul went back and read these things and meditated on these things and came to see all of the ways that all of these scriptures about prophesying the coming of the Messiah for the first time, that how they were fulfilled in Jesus. And then, you know, he started understanding all the prophecies that described his second coming and all the prophecies that describe what the Holy Spirit would do in us as new covenant believers. And it's all there. It's all straightforward. And, you know, as you go through this series, you're going to learn more and more about. Not, we're not going to spend a lot of time going back and reading all those prophecies. But we're going to show you how they are fulfilled in the new covenant. So Paul says, then after three years, three years of what? Three years of reading, meditating on the scripture and listening to the Holy Spirit. After three years, I went to Jerusalem to see Peter and I remained with him 15 days. But I didn't see any of the other apostles except James. Um, the Lord's brother, and so then afterwards, you know, he goes to in he goes to Syria and and uh, Cilicia. As we know, Paul ended up in the church at, at Antioch and served for fourteen years as a deacon and a teacher. You say, how do you know he served as a deacon? Well, because he was involved in and like arranging food for the church at Jerusalem. That's what deacons did. They didn't run boards back in those days. They took care of the practical needs of people. And then he became a teacher along with Barnabas. And 14 years later, after walking with God, walking in this revelation, you know, uh, bringing it to life in his own heart, then he was set apart into his apostolic ministry. I want to tell you something. Everything God's got for you starts with reading, believing the scripture, interpreting it in light of the life teaching ministry, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Second, learning to apply it in your own life and learning to walk it out. That's what Paul did 
14 years of just serving people, not worrying about going in the ministry. Not Because remember, he'd gone in the ministry before, and how did it end up? It ended up with him murdering people. Well, you know something? God doesn't need for you to just jump out and go out in the ministry. One of the reasons the early apostles, a handful of men, changed the whole world, who only went through three and a half years of walking with Jesus, is because they followed that process. They knew the Word of God. They had it in their heart. They learned to live it, and then they took it out to the world. You know something? Man, we're going to go farther in this every single week. We're going to go places that you can't believe. Your life's going to get easy and light. And uh, I can't wait till next week to share some incredible insights, some incredible truth with you. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.